This is the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your Spirit by the power of your Word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. I got a call this week from my mom that my grandma fell again. She's going to be 90 this summer. This isn't the first time she's fallen either. Over the last roughly three years, she's deteriorated both physically and mentally uh, to the point that she often will think she can do things that she cannot do anymore, such as walk. And even though this last time was not necessarily her fault, It it often reminds me when my mother calls me of of Jesus talking to Peter in John 21, where he says to Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you get older, someone else will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Reminded of that when I think of my grandmother, wanting to be able to do things that she thinks she can do and can't. It also reminds me of parenting. How many of you as parents and or grandparents are either in the midst now or can remember being in the I do it stage of parenting, grandparenting. That that was the phrase in our house. I do it. I do it. Two, three years old. I do it. They see us doing something. The assumption is, well, you're a human being. I'm a human being. You're a little bit bigger than me, but I do it. I should be able to do it. How many accidents And injuries and emergency room visits have happened in homes because a two or three or four year old or 16, 17 year old has assumed (laughs) I can do this thing. And then you find out, no, actually you can't. Well, enter Abram and Nicodemus 
two men who had two different encounters with God that actually had the same result. Both in need of new birth, in fact. For Abram, the key word is leave. He's 75 years old and God comes to him and says, leave. Leave everything you know, everything you're comfortable with, everything you love, take all your stuff and leave and go somewhere else. So how many 75-year-olds would like to be told today by God, pack up all your stuff and you're going to be camping for the rest of your life? Some of you might. Not me. but Some of you might. But God coming to him and telling him to leave the old stuff, leave the place of his father, leave his past. And then we have Nicodemus, a leader who's supposed to know certain things about God. He even comes to Jesus and he understands something. He says to Jesus, we know, meaning the leadership, the people that end up being instrumental in the crucifixion of Jesus. He says, we know that you are from God because you wouldn't be able to do the things that you were doing if God wasn't with you. And then Jesus says, okay, you want to know about God being with you? Well, let me tell you. Unless you're born again, born anew, born from above, you cannot see the, the kingdom of God. And then you have Nicodemus living out his, his, his old Adam, his old sinner, the old self that is in all of us that's, that's clinging to life. And he says, well, how can this be? I can't go dig my mom up from the dirt and cry, climb back into her womb to be born again. Wanting to be able to do the thing that he thinks he's supposed to do to please God. Wanting to be able to do the thing to make himself a good person. Wanting to do the thing to be one who has God with them. And you have Jesus completely blow that out of the water. Unless you were born of water and the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Him taking Nicodemus from the I do it stage to the no you can't stage. Rebirth in God in Christ. It's something that, that we can't as Lutherans leave that term being born again to, to our American evangelical brothers and sisters. It is God working to remove from us the way things were. Sameness. And then granting us newness. Our life in God going back to the place where all choice and power was removed from us. I don't know how many of you remember your birth. Yeah, show of hands. No. Okay, I'm, I'm guessing it's 0%. Yeah. Uh, show of hands of how many of you chose when you were going to be born. I know that there's a couple people having birthdays or celebrating birthdays today, even though they're later on. Anybody choose their birthday? No. Uh, choose your parents. Zero percent. We're, we're, we're batting zero. Okay. How can it be then that we assume as Christians that the life of a Christian, the life of a disciple, the life of Christ, even though Christ speaks to us and tells us the exact opposite, that somehow we're supposed to be able to choose our second birth when we had nothing to do with our first? God coming to us and doing something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. We had nothing to do with it the first time and God lets us know that we couldn't do anything about it the second time. And yet we spend much of our lives thinking 
Well, if I just do this or that, I'll be a good Christian. No, I can't do this. I can't say this. I can't live this way or else I'm a really bad Christian or I'm no Christian at all. Or we start pointing fingers at others. And yet it is God who comes to do this new birth. Let me go back to Abram. I don't know if you noticed as Julie was reading to us, did you hear that God gave the promise before Abram did anything? God said to Abram, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing to many nations, and oh, by the way, leave. Before Abraham left, the one who became known as Abraham, God said, I'm going to bless you before you do anything. So I wonder how many of you right now are living in a past in which you have shame You have guilt. You have something that you are carrying with you of your old self and it is still with you to this day. Well, Christ stands for you this morning as one who removes that past from you. It it is gone. Any, any, Any sins that you hold on to that you just feel like you have not atoned enough for, God comes to you and says, I'm gifting you a promise that is going to remove that from you, that past that old self, that sameness, and I'm going to grant you newness in me. Where your life is found in me, it's not found in you. Or even worse, sins that have been committed against you by someone else. Carrying on your shoulders that burden of someone who has harmed you and hurt you. That has defined your life now for years and decades. And Christ comes to you this morning to tell you that's not yours anymore leave and come with me. And then we have Nicodemus. If Abram's the perfect example of freedom from shame, guilt, or harm, Nicodemus is the freedom from current and future sins. Nicodemus, wondering how it is that he can't atone for himself for things now and things in the future and Christ saying, no, just as we don't know where the wind is going to be taking things, we don't know where the wind comes from and where it is going. And so Christ comes to us in the Spirit to do this work in us daily. Luther tells us that our life as Christian is lived at that font. That we are daily baptized, regularly having to be reminded that we are buried with Christ in baptism and raised to new life. But the problem that we have in the words of James Nestigan is that the old Adam, the old sinner in ourself, is a very good swimmer. And we have to hold him down under that water a lot longer every single day and be raised to new life all of the time. I've preached to you before about baptism, about what I love about our Lutheran understanding of it, of the fact that we bring little babies, have no choice, They have no clue what is happening to them. They let you know that maybe they're not too happy about it when they scream, when the water hits their head. But they have no clue, and yet we hand them the promise of God with them doing nothing about it. And even now, we have someone who is going to be baptized on April 25th, an older young man who will also be confirmed later on in May. And even though he's old enough to say, I'm ready to be baptized, they had to schedule it with me because he needed me to be there to do the baptizing. He couldn't baptize himself. God coming to us from the outside to do the work that we need. Well, 
Paul does a good job of letting us know about this in Romans 4. He comes to us and he says, Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed, so that if our life before God is something in which we do all these things, then we deserve a paycheck for it. We deserve to be rewarded, and it removes from God grace and mercy. But then he says in verse 5, chapter 4, but to the one who does not work but believes or trusts in him who declares the ungodly to be righteous as faith is credited for righteousness. He declares it. He makes the statement and it's done. It is true. The old self being killed, the new self being raised to new life because Christ says so. Or verse 17, I told the men on Wednesday, it's my, one of my favorite portions out of Romans, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. When we confess God as creator, we don't confess him as someone who, however many years ago, created this world or, or Adam and Eve or whatever discussion we want to have, but we understand God as creator as one who comes to us puts us to death and raises us to new life all the, t- all the time, creating in us that which we need from Him. So I ask you this morning, how many of us are walking around burdened by past, past sins committed against us or by us? There's a Jesus for that. How many of us have this history of the old life that has left us broken and battered? There's a Jesus for that. How many of us now hold against another a sin that cannot be removed by anything that that sinner does to atone for it themselves? There's a Jesus for that. Being born again, as I said, is not to be a phrase used by our uh, evangelical brothers and sisters as some sort of decision for Christ, but it is about Christ's decision over you. Let me leave you with some words from Luther again. This is from his Heidelberg Disputation, which he wrote to defend what he had written in the 95 Theses before the Reformation really got into full swing. And he says in his argument, question number 28, the love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. God not looking for, pleased, for pleasing people not looking to find the person who deserves his love, but he comes to you and he says, I'm going to make you pleasing to me. Whereas he says, the love of man comes into being through that which is pleasing to it. How often it is that our love is based on the lovability of the one that we want to love. How lovable they are. Friends or lovers And yet God comes to us and says, I'm going to take the unlovable, the ungodly, and I'm going to love them only because I want to. Thanks be to God. Amen.